the things that God has given us and promised us and placed on the we just have to activate them. You activate them by faith. And uh, last week on Friday, the iPhone 5 uh, came out, and all the other phones that we've ever gotten, I've had to take somewhere. And when I took it somewhere, they took the phone and they did all this stuff and they activated it for me so that I could, I could use it. But this one was different. When I took it and uh, I showed up at the store, of course, we almost knocked the UPS man down when he pulled up at our house. We ran out the front door real excited and we took them from him really fast and we were shedding cardboard all the way to the store. But what I didn't know when I got to the store, he kind of looked at me. There was nobody at the store. And I thought, well, that's really weird. There's nobody here. Usually there's all these people trying to get things activated. And, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And so I went inside and I gave him the phones. And he looked at me real funny and said, what do you need? And I said, well, I need, I need to get them activated. And he looked at me and I didn't say anything, but I could tell something wasn't right. So he just looked down and started working on the phones. And about halfway through this process, I realized, hey, I didn't have to bring those in, did I? He said, no. I could have activated them all by myself. And he said, yeah. Well, I'm sorry I wasted your time. You can activate the things that God has put on the inside of you. And too many of us are waiting for situations to change before we love somebody. We're waiting for people to change before we, we step out and, and accept them and embrace them and bring them into our life. We're waiting for our own lives, maybe, to be different before we activate all the goodness that God has placed on the inside of us. I'm telling you, you could be that person right now. Yeah, but you don't know what happened yesterday. Yesterday was the past. Five minutes ago, when you came to church and you screamed at your kids or whatever you did on the way in here, there's forgiveness for that. Sorry, there's patting poor Becky. On the, Becca, I'm, did you yell at your kids? I didn't know. She's, she's patting you on the back like, oh, you poor. This. this word's right for you then, Becca. Praise God. It's good stuff. That's all the past. And I'm telling you, you have a, you have a, a new opportunity right now. We're going to talk about love tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And I thank you that you love us. I thank you, Father, for your word, that it's truth. Father, I thank you that as we live your word, we're blessed. I thank you, Father, that as it goes into our hearts today, it ignites something on the inside of us that changes us. Not just a surface change, Father, but changes us from the inside out. I thank you, Father, that your love is powerful. I thank you, Father, that your word is powerful. I thank you, Father, that our lives in you brings power into this earth. And I thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we have tonight to hear your word, but, Father, more importantly, to go out these doors and live your word. And, Father, to love like we've never loved the people who are around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you could be seated. God's good. I wanted you to open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We all know this. Many of you know it's the love chapter. And when I woke up today, I just, I just had love, just that word love in my heart. And so I... You know, as I kind of progressed through the day, I just continued to pray and put pieces and parts uh, of this together, the things that God was giving me. And uh, I'll read from a couple different versions before the evening's over, but we can start, and she'll put it on the screen there for you. The name of the message is Love Never Fails. Uh, We may fail, people may fail you, but love never fails. And when we come to that realization that it, it... Love doesn't fail us, and that when we act in love in our lives, it never fails the situation. We have to come to a a realization that that's true. And there are lots of reasons why we don't want to. There are lots of reasons and things that have gone on in our life where we said, I ain't gonna. 
But I'll just tell you and promise you that if you just if you walk in love, if you walk in, you can discipline in love with your children. You can love your spouse. You can love your friends. You can love the people that you come across that are that you see at church. You can love the people at the mall. You can love the guy in the parking lot who just cussed you out because you scratched his car. I mean, you you gotta love. There's not really another opportunity. And if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of angels and men, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbals. Now you look at that, that, that means that you're eloquent. That means that you, that, you, that you have a way about you that you can talk well, that you can present material well, that you can present your argument well. When it says that I speak with tongues of men and angels, that means that the things that come out of my mouth, they're pleasing to other people. That doesn't, that doesn't say that, that I, I gibber and I jabber and I can't talk and I can't, I can't keep things going. This says that, you know what, if I'm eloquent in the things that I say, but I don't have love. That's loud because they're this tall. Wow. Clubhouse kids are tearing it up over there. But it says, if I speak with tongues of angels, I'm very eloquent and my words are great, but I don't have love. I've become nothing but sounding brass and clanging cymbals. That doesn't even say pretty cymbals. You know, there's a way that people can play cymbals, and you know, when they're doing things in worship and Stephen hits things the right way, and it kind of brings kind of a, a movement with it and an anointing as they, they begin to do it. It's not that. It's like me walking over and just going. That's what it sounds like when you don't talk in love. Sorry, Stephen. Hope I didn't break your drums. <laughs> But think about it. See, because when you talk to your kids, even if you're disciplining them, if it's not in love, that's what they hear. And you say, don't you hear me? Well, no, it sounds like that. And when you're upset with your spouse and you're not not responding in love, that's that's what's going on. Because it says, if I don't have love, that's what it sounds like. And it goes on, though, and it says, and if I don't have the gift, if I, if, and although I do have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, it means I flow in the gifts of the Spirit, and the, the Holy Spirit is operating in my life, and all of those things are, are kind of happening, and I'm somebody who has flowed in that ministry before. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but don't have love, I am nothing. I think in life we aspire to talk well. We aspire to have the right thing on our lips when people ask us. I think in our lives many times we aspire for the gifts of the Spirit to flow in our life, or we aspire to have faith that could move mountains. But do we aspire in our life to have love? See, to have love flow in our life regardless of what we see, regardless of what we feel, regardless of what's going on around us, do we want love more than all these things? You know, I've been around Pastor Bill for a long time, and the first 47 messages were about love. That was when way back in the day when we would go from Henriettaville or wherever those places were that we went when Pastor Bill was just starting preaching. We would go to these little churches, and they'd have the little steel guitars, and and they'd do all those kind of things, and my brother and I'd just be about passing out in the corner, and Bill'd just be loving it. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's what our church is going to be like someday. We're like, oh, God, take me now. 
Some guy in the corner, offbeat. And then we go to their house for dinner, and they say, would you be our pastor? And the kids were like, no. It's not even a one-street town. There's not even a street. But all, he, always, he, always, he always taught love. Why, why? And I, I, sometimes I wondered. And by the time we'd done this a few times, we knew the message too. And we weren't very old, but we could, go, we could go along with him. But I thought, why is that so important? Well, because before you begin in anything that God wants you to do, it has to be rooted in love. And so we can aspire to all of these things, but if we don't have love, we're nothing. It says in verse 3, And although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. There's no gain. So I think sometimes we want to we give our way out of a situation instead of turn the other cheek and love. See, somebody smacks you and you want to take them out, so you just figure I'll just give more in the offering. Or I'll take them out, then I'll just I'll help them out paying for it. Or what, you know, whatever. I did that once. I broke somebody's nose. cost me 100 bucks. Don't do that. I felt better, but I lost 100 bucks, And this was a long time. It was a lot of money. But see, there's no profit in anything that's not rooted and grounded in love. We can think there is. See, we can, we can try to do other things. We can try to, to, to put ourselves out there. We can try to sacrifice. I mean, that's what the Scripture says. But if, but if it's not rooted and grounded in love. See, our motives in the church sometimes get a little crazy. We, we, we want God to operate, but we don't want to say, I want to operate God in your love. Why? Because I want to reserve the right to not like you. Just in case you're not nice to me, just in case, you know, you, you don't do it the way I want you to do it. Now, we probably wouldn't say these things. We would probably say, oh, I operate in love. And then we say, well, open your door and let's look in your closet. Well, you can't look in there. There's some unlovely people. Well, what about you and your brother? What about you and your sister? What about you and your boss? You operate in love? Well, you know, keep God out of the workplace. We have all these ideas. See, we, we want all this to happen, and we well, you know, I want to walk in love, but I don't, I don't, for everything? See, why do we not want to do, why don't, it puts us out there. And it puts us in a place to risk being hurt by other people. But his love conquers all of those things. It conquers all of those hurts. It's conquered all the hurts that you've had till now. See, it took who you were before you went in that tank and dunked yourself down and came back up. Tony, it took all of that junk out of your life. His love did. Not just something that, that you did or I did or somebody prayed for you or somebody helped you out or somebody taught you something. It was his love that stripped all that junk off of you and had you come up different. So that we can then go in his love. That means when the guy cuts you off, and I'm not good at this, you say, bless you, brother. Give him a full five-finger wave. <laughs> Praise God. We've ordered some bumper stickers things for your windows, too, so don't be flipping people off at your car with the victory thing on your thing. That's not going to be good. <laughs> it's the last thing we need. I'm looking for some guy to flip me off. He goes to your church. <laughs> it's him. <laughs> It says love is patient and kind. 
Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. That's the kind of love we're supposed to live. That's the kind of love that Christ shows us. Now, we're all, we're all for him showing us all of that. What we need to do in our lives is to be able to show all that to people who are around us. See, you have little ones in your home, and they're just like you, Daniela. Good, bad, or ugly. She's beautiful like her mama, and she's probably got a little bit of a like her mama. Maybe a little. She's sweet, but I can tell from that when I'm glad she's on my side. But see, we've got, we've got ones at home that are a lot like us. We're supposed to be a lot like our Father, too. And 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. He's love. He is love for you. He is, that's what he is. That's what he pours out. He, doesn't, he can't respond in that other way when you come to him. He loves you. I mean, think about it for just a minute. You may be questioning it now. I mean, I, I don't know. You've been going through some stuff. Maybe you question whether God does or doesn't love you. I just want to reassure you that he does. That when you go back in your head to those moments where you said, God, I need you. I'm such a mess. My life is sideways. I've gone off into the ditch. I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I, God, I want to come back to you. Or maybe it's, God, I need you right now. And you just, you just sense or feel just his, his love just surround you. See, he loves you. You don't get this. Smack. You get a hug. Now, he may jerk the chain a little bit and say, come on, we've got to get better. We've got to get going. Let's get on our way. But it's done in love. See, his spirit convicts us of the things and places where we've been wrong, and he brings us into a new place. But he does it in love. So if, if God is love and he has created us, Genesis 1, 26 through 28-ish in there, it says that God created us in whose image? His image. So we were created in this earth to be love. If God is love, we are love. Sandy, can you put Romans 8 up there? It's 29 and through 30. If you go and you, and you look here, it's, it's, it's in your DNA. It's who you are. I mean, he created, even if you don't know him and you're here today saying, well, you know, I'm just here because I just want to check out the joint or I don't know Jesus or I, you know, whatever that is. It's in your DNA. He created you that way. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's us. All the way down to the beginning pieces and parts of you, he put you together to be like Jesus. That Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. And then it goes on and it begins to complete the work. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. And that's that progression as we live, as we go in, in Christ and mature in him. But even, I mean, all the way down to the pieces and the parts in the beginning, he knew all about you before you were in your mother's womb and he created you to be like Jesus. That's good. He has placed his love 
on the inside of you. And he activated it when Jesus went to the cross. Jesus died on the cross, came back up, sat at the right hand of the Father, took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and activated an opportunity for us now to be a part of that. And then you began to activate that in your own life when you came to that altar at that day and got on your knees and said, I need Jesus in my life. Would you please save me? And now it's activated on the inside. Now from that day until the day you finish, you have to purpose in your heart, just like I have to purpose in my heart, that I'm going to love. And you know those people. And they don't deserve your love. And they've wronged you and they've hurt you. They may have toyed with you a little bit and then pushed you out. They may, they may have said, I love you, but then they cheated on you, or they may have treated you badly and called you names, or they may have just, just took advantage of you and drug you. Who knows? But I'm telling you, that's not a whole lot different than us with God. But we want his love when we come to that moment. When we come to our senses, we say, God, I need you to love me. And you know, it says in Matthew that, that as, you come, as you come to him and ask forgiveness, make sure that in your own life you're forgiving. Why? Because love flows that direction. And if you're not going to forgive, then that forgiveness is a little bit hindered that way. We don't like to hear that, but that's what it says. In the body of Christ, sometimes we love each other in here for the most part. Sometimes you get sideways with each other, but, you know, we, we tend to at least play nice when we're here. But you go outside, people hurt, man, they're nasty out there. There's sharks out there. People hurting you, doing all kinds of things. Some of you are more frenemies. You're friends some days and enemies other days. You're just frenemies. You just, sometimes you fight, sometimes you love each other. Why don't we just love each other all the time? Some of the closest people to you are the people that you have to work the hardest to love. Now, y'all know you're thinking of that face right now. You see, you're all, I, Lisa already said amen, had her hand up. She's standing up for prayer. I mean, it's, we're already there. Just bow your heads, we'll just pray, and we'll, we'll go on about our business. See, sometimes those family members, see, sometimes those people who are your best friend, sometimes those are the ones. Why is it that those are the ones that are hardest to love? Because those are the ones who have hurt you the most. And you have put yourself out there and somebody has wounded you. So now that love come to goes like, mm, I don't, don't want to do it. Now we think our situations are unique. And we assume that in our life, you know what, nobody, I, I have a right not to like them. And if you knew what they did or how this went down, you would understand my side and you would tell me, hey, you know what, don't love them. I'm sure God would excuse you from this, this particular situation. Talking to somebody today on the phone. Said that, you know, I <laughs> gotta love them. It's your only shot. Now, I wasn't talking to them, telling myself I gotta love them. I was telling them they gotta love you, gotta love them. But I don't wanna. Let me tell you how bad it's See, have you ever had those people do that with you? Let me tell you how bad it's been. Let me tell you how I, I can't get there. Let me tell you why I shouldn't have to. See, let me tell you why this barrier is so big 
or why this wall is so impenetrable. Let me tell you why. Now, if you set them aside and say, well, do you think God can come through? Do you think God can change that? Do you think God can make a way? Oh, yeah. All right, we're on our way. Well, then what do we need to do? I don't know because I ain't doing that. They hurt me too much. Look at Joseph, you know, in Genesis. As you go through the, those chapters in Genesis 26, 7, 8, 9 in there, and, and as you go through his story, think about this. His brothers. His brothers took him and threw him in a pit and left him to die. Yet through it all, in the end, who was he hugging and who was he helping? His brothers. I don't believe he ever lost his love for his family even though his brothers turned on him. You know, it takes faith to please God, but faith is activated by love in your life. And as he went through all these situations, those 20-some years in prison and being in Potiphar's house and all that junk, that was, that was all because his brothers threw him in a pit and hated him. So we think that in our situation, well, that's not covered in the Bible. Well, until you're thrown in a pit left for dead... See, I mean, that happened in the Bible. And yet Joseph loved his brothers. Think about David. I know you've been harmed. I know you've maybe been hurt. Maybe it's been a parent. But think about poor little David out there with the sheep. And, and, and the priest comes to anoint the next king. And he tells his dad, bring me your sons. And he says, all y'all guys, come on out here. Now leave David. He's not worth it. He brought all the good ones, right? I mean, that's the story. He brought all the ones that he thought was able to be the king. You all come on down here. Presented him. And then he said, nope, 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 nope. You got any more? Well, there's this one. <sighs> He's a little ruddy, though. He's a small little guy. Surely not. Now, what would that do to poor David? He gets to the party late. You know, probably got big feet, you know, big ears, trips over him all the time. Who knows what happened at the time, you know, he was, you know. But he gets to the party late, and then he realizes, hey, oh, hey, why am I the last one here? And the guy says, oh, there's the one who's going to be king. Hey! You didn't think I was good enough. There's a reason to not like people. That's your own dad. Job, you know, he was going through all kinds of crazy stuff. And his wife said, curse God and die, brother. It can't get worse than this. Please, that'll release me from you. I won't have to be hooked to this shipwreck anymore. But it goes on like in chapter 9 somewhere in there, and it goes on and it says, Job said, it says in the word there, that out of his lips he didn't sin. Out of the lips he didn't say bad things. Why? Because he trusted God, he loved God. His friends came and tried to draw him away. They came to tell him how bad it was and how it shouldn't, you know. But he, he didn't falter. Why? Well, he loved God. People will give you all 
the reason in the world to act up and not do what's right. Deal with it. You're not special. I mean, you're special in God's eyes. But come on. Y'all got a story. We could halfway make a Hallmark movie out of each one of you if we all sat down and just went through the script enough. I mean, you know. Y'all got, y'all, y'all, you know how people come, hey, we all got it. But do you think I, I get some kind of special privilege because I'm the pastor that I get to just, it's really easy for me? <laughs> I know I'm married to the most wonderful woman in the world and I just can't help but love that thing. You too, baby. I know. <laughs> Never mind. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Hey, I, I don't get a free pass because I sit in that desk. I, it gets worse. I've had more people not like me since I came here than ever not like me outside those doors. I'm a nice guy. I really only have a couple people that have ever really hated me, and then I got a whole bunch more lately that are thinking about it. They're not sure if they're there yet, but they're, they're working on it. We have this one guy. It wasn't me, it was Dan. Right, the guy who doesn't like Dan? It's awesome. So Dan goes to lunch with these people. And Dan used to work here full-time and did some things, and some, something, went, something went sideways, and this guy got really offended and upset. And, and Dan was the one who was dealing, dealing. I don't know if I can tell the story, but it's all right. And he doesn't go around. We'll never see this guy. But, but Dan was dealing. Don't tell Dan because we talked about him. Huh? Oh, it wasn't Dan's fault. No, not at all. It wasn't Dan's fault. Dan just happened to be the wrong guy. The pastor Bill said, go deal with that guy. So but Dan got stuck dealing with that guy. <laughs> So Dan, Dan was trying to love this guy and just kind of let him know, you know, we're for you, man, but, you know, we, we can't have you, like, you know, bringing your wolves to church. I mean, it was something weird, like, I mean, this is weird. So, you know, you can't be, you, you got to be all right, man. Come on, you got to do it. And this guy got, like, really flipped out, offended. Dan tried to love him and tried to reach out to him. And, and so anytime Dan would drive by, he'd just got a bus stop. He'd go, Hippocrite! And he'd yell at him in his car. One day in a restaurant, Dan was having lunch with his business people, you know, and this guy came in and looked over and goes, hypocrite! I love you, man. Love you. It's great. One of the great stories. It's awesome. Don't tell Dan we're talking about him. That'll embarrass him. Dan did everything right. He tried to love the guy. But I'm telling you, love in your life will break those barriers. See, lo love, you acting in love in your life will begin to break those barriers. It doesn't give anything for their junk to stick to. And it does something not just in you, but it does something in them. They want you to turn vile. The enemy is trying to bring you in and cut off your supply line from God. But if you don't fall for that, yet you act in love, I know everything in you wants to beat, just beat them. I'm in church, sorry. <laughs> but you can't. I know everything in you wants to just stomp their head, but you can't. It's against the law. <laughs> Jeez. 
well, thank God. What would you do to me if it wasn't against the law? It's against the law. Anybody got a room? I need someplace else to stay. She's been thinking things about me, Mike. I don't know. But that love breaks the barrier. Think about it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. And that breaks the barrier between you and him. And what broke the barrier? Jesus hanging on the cross. Yes, but what set that in motion? God so loved. God so loved you that he sent Jesus down the cross to bust that barrier between you and him. We think it's the other person. We think it's the other situation. We're upset with that other thing that's going on. When really, what it is, simply, is a barrier. And love will conquer that. But I don't, no. You don't not, nope. How can I, nope. Grace. How can you? Grace. I try to operate in the same grace that I teach you to operate in. But in your life, somewhere along the way, you have to make the decision that says, you know what, regardless, no matter what, I'm going to love. Stan Moss, is that his name? There was a guy out at Victory. Prison ministry, Stan Moss, right? Mom was killed. Is that right? By a guy. Mom was killed by a guy. His mom. This guy killed, cold blood. This guy gets put in prison. God deals with Stan. This is a short story, and I don't remember any of it, so I'm, I'm going by what I... Short story. God deals with him and tells him, you got you to gotta go tell this guy that I love him. Well, this is the dude that killed my mom. And he told him, you, you, got, you got to do this. You got to go forgive him. Tell him you're, you, you, you forgive him, but tell him I forgive him. Tell him that I love him. I don't know if he had to love him or not, but it was, he, he had to pour it out to this guy. How many of you know that's, that's regardless? That's no matter what happened. Now, but listen, this is important because it goes back to this Job part. When, when Stan went and did that, it, it just changed something in him. And then he had a prison ministry from, from, from then on. He was part of Victory, I think, bringing VBIs into those prisons and doing all these kind of things. And, and God just lit a fire there where, where he didn't even know there was. But it was through him having to say, you know what, God loves you and I love you. And, and he'll forgive you and, and I forgive you. Job, it says, received what kind of portion? Double portion. Because he wouldn't stop loving God. Don't stop loving. You're messing with your portion. You're messing with your stuff. You're messing with your life. You don't want to get out of love. If you get out of love, you've gotten into the flesh. That's a bad place to be. Feels good, though. (laughs) You like it for a minute. 
You know, have you ever just lashed out and thought, oh, yeah. But then what fills that, oh, yeah, oh, no. So you lash out, boy, it makes you feel better for that, for that minute. But what have you unleashed in the situation and in your life? Because you want to, I mean, that's flesh. If you look in Galatians, in chapter 5, verses 16 through 21, it says, walk in the Spirit. If you will walk in the Spirit, if you'll walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But when you lash out like that, that's not in the Spirit, that's flesh. It says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Keep going, Sandy. It says, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. That's that thing on the inside of you that wants to love them and kill them at the same time. It's that spirit man in you that, come, that you, mean you begin to pray and the spirit man begins to enlarge and you want to reach out and hug them and tell them it's going to be okay even though they harmed you. And then the other side of you wants to kick them while you got them in there. See, that's the war between the flesh and the... And it says, and these are contrary to one another so that you don't do the things that you wish. You get in the flesh, and you know if, if, if you got quiet, if you went away from the situation, if you got pulled somewhere by your, by your friends or your, your family, your pastor, somebody sat you down and said, come on now, what was really God, what's God saying to you? You're probably, go, you're probably going to answer correctly, but because you're warring with this thing on the inside of you, you're in the flesh and not in the spirit, you don't do the things that you want to do or you know to do. That's why people say, I don't know, I just don't, I can't help it because you're in the flesh. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be this way, but I can't, I just want to, they deserve it. That's flesh. See, we deserve a lot too. You know, it goes on and it names all of the lusts of the flesh. That's how these things turn violent. That's how these things escalate from an argument to a shooting. You say, well, I never thought that would happen. Well, the enemy's gotten in. You've gotten the flesh. And now this thing has gone from this little thing to escalated. People throwing chairs through windows and punching each other, and you show up, and it was Thanksgiving, and everybody's laying on the floor bleeding, picking up teeth. How did that happen? Huh? Well, that happens. My cousin's a cop. Every now and then at Thanksgiving, he's got to leave, and you're going to jail if he has to leave Thanksgiving. That's all there is to it. If Rod has to leave the pumpkin pie, somebody's going to jail today. I mean, that's, he'll get up out of that, I'll be right back, you know, and out he screams, you know, and he comes back a few minutes later. What was going on? Doesn't matter, they're all in jail. You'll see it in the police blotter. Shouldn't make me get up from the pie. But if you go down, see, to 22... And you begin to look at what it is if you stay in the spirit. See, it says in verse 16, if I walk in the, in the spirit, I, I won't walk in the flesh. See, if I live in the spirit, the spirit thing, it's a root deal, right? Your roots are in him, and so the fruit comes out like that. But if your roots are in the flesh, the flesh stuff comes out. And the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, patience, yes. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Goes on gentleness, self-control, love it. But what do you need in this minute? Self-control, why? Because you want to kill them. But you can't. I love you and you're my son, but I'll make another one just like you. Probably the best thing that we couldn't have anymore after those two, because we couldn't make any more just like him. 
it's probably good. Against times there is no law. See, that's walking in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I can't love them. Yes, you can. Because if you put your roots in him, if you put your roots in the word, if you put your roots in this, see, your, your fruit problem is a root problem. And you're smoting people as you go carrying your Bible. You might as well put your coffee on it because you're not using it. So you can't, you can't be tearing people a new one as you go. Because that's flesh. Yeah, they're not living right, though. <laughs> well, look in the mirror. I'm real quick to call you on it. But, 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 but this is a mirror that we all look in. And we see ourselves. I'll tell you this. People aren't your problem. <laughs> you may think they are. But people aren't your problem. They sure look like the problem. They smell like it. They act like it. They talk like it. If you polled your neighbors, they'd probably say it was the people. But people aren't your problem. The enemy. The enemy's your problem. We don't fight flesh and blood. We fight principalities and powers. See, we started this thing by saying what love, you know, isn't all of those things. There are irritations that you're going to face in your life. Sometimes they're people. Sometimes they're related to you. Sometimes you gave birth to them. But irritations, when handled well, become a pearl. When you take your irritation and you handle it with love, you'll end up with a pearl. Otherwise, you end up with just sand. And you're cranky. Cranky's not good. If we're anything here, let's be happy. Just like my math class, you come in the doors, it's a happy time. Well, my last teacher did, did, I'm not your last teacher, sit down. Let's have fun. Let's laugh. Let's enjoy ourselves. Let's love one another. You know, if you wish somebody long enough and you love them long enough, that love breaks a barrier. All of a sudden, let me just tell you, (laughs) when I said there are people who irritate you, you knew exactly who that was, right? You got them in your head. Think about this. You irritate somebody else. (laughs) Know what I'm saying? I love you too. It's all these other people. You're somebody's pearl. See, somebody loved you when they didn't want to. Somebody loved you when they didn't have to. Somebody loved... I'm not just talking about Jesus, although he did. See, somebody loved you when they shouldn't have, but they chose to. Well, God told him to. Well, God's telling you to. See, you're somebody's pearl. You irritated the daylights out of them. Daniela. More than one of us. 
Not me, because you're just, you're wonderful. But some of these other, some of these other ladies. I'm just kidding. Right. But think about it. Think about it. In your life, you're a pearl. You're a pearl because somebody chose to love you. And what I said in the beginning, see, God is love. And he created you in his image so that you are love. So now as you go forward, make those pearls. Those irritations, those people who are coming across your path, who you can't stand to sit next to. And you know what? I'm not going to go to their house if, if Sarah isn't there, if Sarah's there. I'm not going to go to their house if Steve shows up. I'm going to get up and leave. I'm going to tell him a thing or two. He needs to hear this. Right? I mean, I'm t- you go to Joyce Meyer, and, and God puts this person in your heart, and you say, yeah, I'm going to buy them that book because that's what they need. <laughs> right? And then you get them that book on joy, and you say, God told me to give you this. You read it. <laughs> oh, that's pleasant. But don't we feel better? Yeah, I gave them that book. Better read it. When God says, why don't you just wrap your arms around them and just love them? I'd rather them read a book. (laughs) It's easier. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.